When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. It's a road show with Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. We're here at Pavilion La Vista South, home of the Titans, ready for some basketball in about, uh, well, two hours and uh, 45 minutes for pregame. But the A7 uh, district final, Pius on the road against uh, Papio South should be awesome. Excited to be a part of that call tonight with Jeff Smith. Uh, prior to that, we have some hoops to talk. Plenty of Nebraska basketball reaction from last night's shocking, <laughs> dare I say, shocking win over Ohio State on the road. Thoughts there, some spring football takes as uh, Nebraska working through this first week. Uh, pleasure to have you along on Hale Varsity. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, and we're high above the uh, Titans gym. And uh, big thanks to Mr. Van Akron for letting us up here. We're, we're kind of just to the, uh, the the east of the catwalk. I am buckled in Harry Carey style yeah, you, you've, up you've been, here. You've been seeing and, a lot. Uh, it's, it's already taped off. Hold on. It's taped off for the student section uh, for Pius. And then the, the Titans student section is called the Black Hole. So in contrast to that, Pius is said we're wearing all white. We're going with the road whites. So uh, Pius student section will be full force. They threw me up here because, man, it's going to be elbow to elbow, Elijah. A great time of year. March is upon us, and the madness started last night uh, with the Buckeyes and the Huskers. What was that? Your guess is as good as mine. I was uh, I was calling the uh, District A three girls championship game. I looked down. Where I, where 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 is that been? Is <laughs> the better question. Well, I'm I'm sitting there at the game and we get a, a scoreboard update from Connor at halftime. The oh Nebraska's up at half and I go what what what's going on? So I actually uh, by the end of the game had pulled it up on my phone and got to watch about the last ten minutes of uh, the Husker game and mm-hmm. yeah, just the, the offense looked like it was flowing. Uh, the defense gave effort. They there wasn't too many dumb turnovers. It, just, it looked like a, a well-coached basketball team for once. But before we get too off topic here, while, while we're on the live stream, you've been saying a lot before the show how high up you are. Can you flip the camera around and just show everyone on the live stream how high you are like actually up there? I mean, I see the ceiling. <laughs> there, there's the ceiling. There's the ceiling as we get the old Blair Witch Project going. Oh, yeah, you're up there. You're in the nosebleeds. <laughs> So I'm all right. I'm all right. But what, it reminded me of growing up a little bit because the uh, the way to get up here is this scary-looking red door that's, I don't know, 75 inches thick and a couple of you know special keys to unlock it, and then you go through kind of a concrete barrier area. And it reminded me of the West Stadium 
at Memorial Stadium pre-Skybox expansion, uh, pre-Press Box expansion. And uh, what that was growing up, we sat on the West Balcony is where my dad had his seats. All four of us got to go. And you pretty much saw the 1924 of, of the old Memorial Stadium. And you, you didn't have to quite army crawl, but you did need to kind of bunch a little bit uh, through the turnstiles. And it was, a, it was quite a winder. And you needed to go at halftime or before the game. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, but no, it, it's awesome. We're up here. Uh, this brings me back. I, last time I was at Papio South doing a game, I think it was 2011 with Cranach for cox tv so uh papio south uh, really good really talented uh pious you know what coach spitzka has this year their their uh, high level is always uh with their talent and going to be a good ball game tonight uh southwest is at gretna down the road for uh, a chance to go to state and uh that'll be uh, an intense ball game and of course mozi has northeast tonight forgive me is northeast is northeast taking on is it millard north or is it creighton prep it's one of the two i think it's prep i think they get prep again oh. uh, yeah, so he's up at the birdcage let me check my schedule on this one you're good yeah, but no, uh, we're getting to some husker basketball creighton, creighton prep yes yeah, it's at prep. Motsi's yeah. got a spot reserved at the birdcage. But uh, Nebraska basketball on our mind as, listen, uh, Nebraska played Ohio State well in Lincoln. That thing went to overtime. They were, what was it, six points in under a minute. They were up in that game. Ohio State made plays, forced overtime, and then won in overtime. But really, Nebraska's put three good games together, if we want to just be honest about it. The Iowa game, uh, the win at Penn State, and then this one, a, a second consecutive win for Coach Hoiberg. And, and here's, here's the thought on it. One, we know the team's had talent. Okay. We know the team has had talent. The team has just refused to play or listen, play together or listen to coaching. Uh, maybe the coaching stepped up. Maybe there's been a, been a big exhale because of Trev's announcement Thursday that, that Fred's back. I don't know. I just know that this team, uh, for, for a stretch last night, kind of got out of sorts and got down by about seven points because they weren't sharing the ball as well. And the difference is is Penn State really did a you know horrible job of, of defending Nebraska and switching. Okay. They they just Nebraska did what they wanted, got great looks, got extra passes, and Penn State had no answer defensively. Well Ohio State uh, after the about the, the fifteen minute mark uh, did some more switching, and then Nebraska got stagnant on offense. And, and Wiltshire came in, man. And I know uh, Bryce McGowans was incredible last night, was super efficient again, had 26 points. And I know Verge was amazing with the 11 assists and 13 points and then just rocking people to the rim with his crossover. That was a lot of fun to watch if you're a Nebraska basketball fan. But Wiltshire's eight-point little barrage – uh, was was so key because it gave Nebraska the lead back. I was kind of in and out of 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 watching, and I, I had the grill going, and I had a, an earbud in, and 
You know, my wife's sitting there watching the ball game on the couch going, what the hell is this? <laughs> like, hey, they have the ability. Uh, they have the capability. Are, are they going to stick with it, though? And they did. And, and the final three and a half, four minutes was, was tough offensively for Nebraska. It was also tough for Nebraska rebounding the ball. They've done a pretty good job of rebounding all night, and then all of a sudden uh, the, the, the levy broke, and here's – you know, second and third chance shots on possessions for Ohio State. Nebraska still wasn't great down the stretch with field goals, but they got to the free throw line going five for six. Uh, a guy we all respect and love and really uh, was a part of our, our, our fandom as kids growing up, Kemp Pavelka. He's, he's my favorite man. I love the guy and had a chance to work for him, an opportunity to work with him early, early, early in my career. And I ended up uh, taking a different position. But long and short, he's always been great. And to hear the passion back in his voice uh, was incredible. And you're happy for him and, and uh, Mule. Uh, because, man, the players and the coaches have been through the ringer with this season. Uh, and then there's uh, the folks in our industry that, that have been on, you know, seasons where it, it's been a, a clunker, to put it radio correctly, uh, PR-wise. <laughs> and and you're, you're, you're running out there every night doing a ball game, and you're trying to be positive about it, and then they, they get smoked or they don't look like they care, or or whatever. So Nebraska has shown some heart, some grit, some toughness, all the things that that Trev kind of laid out what they haven't done. They flipped it around, and good for Nebraska, good for Hoiberg, uh, two in a row. Uh, Let's see if they make it three in a row in in Wisconsin. Uh, Chucky Hepburn went legend last night with that game-winning three. He called glass. You just couldn't hear it. And uh, you have a, a co-championship with Wisconsin. Big order. But, you know, what, what's funny is immediately you jump on Twitter after the game and Nebraska basketball fan, the, the most optimistic to, who would not have bet your money, my money, uh, Aunt Clara's money uh, to, to win or maybe even cover last night is like, all right, they're, they're, they're going to they're gonna run They're going to run through the big, uh, big, big Ten tournament and go dancing how right that's that's the pipe dream right check the blood alcohol level uh, on that take but hey you've won two in a row maybe you get a third against wisconsin and you stay hot in indy that'd be that would be totally nebraska right you go 15 and 21 and you're a 16 seed. No, 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 no. no. What would be Nebraska is if they run through the Big Ten tournament and then lose in like heartbreaking fashion the championship game. That would be Nebraska right there. That would, yeah, that would, you know, it, it is, is a straight up dumb and dumber where you totally redeem yourself, right? <laughs> uh, you, you, you get the, uh, you trade the shagging wagon for the, uh, the, the little moped. But let's hear from, from Fred Hoiberg. As a great ball game for Nebraska basketball. Coming up, Mike Babcock's 10 minutes away. We'll talk some Husker ball with him. Mike Shuhart. Shuey is is a guy that that wants to to be the biggest Nebraska basketball fan, but this season has taken years off Shuey's life potentially. But uh, the last couple of games, Shuey's been very generous to Nebraska basketball. Shuey's a fair guy. Andy Markowski with us in hour two. Uh, we'll talk to the proud papa, the Big Ten freshman of the year. Uh, I know Pius is, is state basketball bound for the girls as well, and we'll get his take on Husker hoops. And then Jeff Smith, 
the coach uh, and Hall of Famer, get his take on some of the district play and also Nebraska basketball. Longtime assistant for Danny Nia. Jock Doc will wind you down. Let me get you the numbers. I meant to do that earlier before I was showing you how high up I was, which is okay. I'm really the fall would hurt, but I've got a good sight line, I guess is what I'm telling you. 466-3776 or 800-825-5865. Those are the numbers. Watch us. Can uh, comment or, or give us some input. Also, we're streaming live on StreamYard, ESPN Lincoln's Facebook, since it's a road show, and also on ESPN Lincoln's Twitter handle. But uh, Fred, last night on, on how the win actually happened, how'd they get it done? The key for us was to try and keep them out of transition. They really exposed us in that area uh, the first time we played, and we wanted to get back and try to force them to score into the half court, which they did early. They, they got into a good rhythm, uh, but you know we had a really good stretch from about the eight-minute mark all the way through about the 17-minute mark of the second half. And you know I think a big key, you know, a guy that didn't play in the last, uh, you know, the last time we played a while ago was Trey McGowan's. I mean, you see, you see the importance and you see what he means to our team with being able to go out and uh, defend the best wings in this league and, and do it one-on-one. And, you know, Branham has been as hot as any player in this league. And, you know, I thought Trey at least really made him work for everything that he got. And then offensively, I thought we had really good efficiency, especially in the first half. You know, Bryce continues to get better every time he steps on the floor. Uh, Alonzo Verge had a really good first half after getting a shot packed into his head the first three possessions. But then he had, you know, nine assists and one turnover, set a record for most assists in a half. And, you know, then we went at, 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 uh, at matchups in the second half and just tried to get the proper spacing and then attack. You know, got a little, uh, you know, dicey there at the end. But, you know, our guys made enough plays. We got Derek back in there to clean up the glass. Um, and that was another key. You know, in the first half, they had 10 offensive rebounds. In the second half, they had four. And it all seemed like they were in the last two minutes. So we really did a good job cleaning up the glass. And those were the two keys for us coming into this were transition and, uh, and rebounding. Nebraska did a great job of, of pace. And, again, until the final three minutes, did a wonderful job in the second half with the, uh, with the defensive glass. Uh, another thought here from Coach Hoiberg here on the offensive success cut four here, how they found it. They've looked more unselfish here the last three games. They've done a better job of really getting in some rhythm with passes. And guys can shoot when they're open, and that extra pass has allowed some open opportunities. I think Lats played a lot better. Wilters played good ball. Verge is, is really looking to create. I thought a, a big play was Verge on the push and then finding Wilcher for his first three to get that 8-0 run going as Wilcher was, was the trailer where you can just kind of bounce it back to him and he can step in. But here's Fred on the offensive success. You know, CJ was phenomenal in that first half for us as well, getting us going. Derek had a couple nice uh, finishes on, on some pocket. And then, you know, Ohio State, which they've been doing a lot of us, uh, went to a switch. And, you know, just tried again to get the proper spacing and, and, uh, and get the right matchup. But, you know, I thought we ran uh, when it was there. We were very opportunistic in, in our running, and we didn't want to get into a up-and-down battle on the road. And we've been much better with our selection on when we're attacking a transition, which we had some really good ones and then when to pull it back and execute. And, again, this, this, this young fella here has just continued to improve and continue to impress and, uh, you know, has a really bright future ahead of him. Well, McGowan's was uh, two Hoiberg's left in, in the post game, and Bryce, man, uh, is 
taken and, and he took really good shots again and and hit some key threes. And what's fun to watch about him, Elijah, is his his length and his first step, his explosiveness. You see the traits of the five star, and and he's put the work in to get stronger. And you can just kind of bubble thought and dream what a second year would look like. You look at Iowa's stud. You look at Wisconsin stud who came back for a sophomore year. They're going to be both top seven picks. McGowan's will probably be a, a late first or early second round. Uh, it's called. It's time to call uh, uh, some friends of the program <laughs> and, and and say, hey, uh, from an NIL standpoint, <laughs> anyone uh, feel like uh, matching what a first year contract would be as a rookie, as a second round pick or a late first round guy to keep him around? That's my only suggestion because he's um, he's a guy that is going to get drafted high. Uh, based on potential, and, and we, we've seen the work he's put in this season, and his, his uh, decision-making's continued to get better and better and better. The athleticism and talent's there. So, overall, great night for Nebraska basketball. Can they do three in a row? Yeah, and I'll say back to that McGowan's point, he's a lottery guy if he can develop a consistent three-point shot. That's what he's lacking right now. He's gotten better everywhere else. So he needs to be a little bit better defensively, but offensively, the, the main issue right now is just three-point shooting. That's Elijah Herbal, Chris Schmidt, Roadshow. Uh, we are here at Papio South, ahead of the Pius Papio South District Final. Mike Babcock next. And we're back. Fellas, think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Thanks for hanging out. Hale Varsity Roadshow, Wednesday ahead of... Going to get that out of the way. Ahead of uh, basketball, Pius uh, on the road at Papio South. The A7 District Final comes up just in front of seven. Uh, locally on ESPN Lincoln, myself, Jeff Smith, will have that. Elijah Herbal back at our ESPN studios. We welcome in historian, author, Hall of Famer, Mike Babcock joins us. Babbers, uh, you sit out in the sun a little bit today, enjoying the, the, the warmth. I uh, went out to baseball availability, and uh, I was the only one that wore long sleeves. That shows you where I'm at. Well. But uh, <laughs> it was nice. Yeah, That's it, all right. It's really nice. Good uh, good weather. Well, good for you, keeping keeping the UV rays away, bud. I get yeah, it. Totally yeah, get it. That, that's it. That's it. It was all a planned deal. So... What, what, let's start with baseball. What uh, what Coach Will have to say? And I, I know that there was a bit of a disagreement on the final out down in in Arlington. Yeah, yeah, and I think that uh, I think he has to sit out the first game of the doubleheader on Friday. As a result, mm-hmm. I mean, if it would have happened in the game, he probably would have been tossed from the game, but he would have been okay. But. Uh, um, no, I, you know, the attitude, he has the same attitude. There's no um, drop in that. And Max Anderson and Cody Frank, uh, Cody Frank's going to get the opportunity to start Friday's first game. Uh, so a little bit of a shakeup there in the pitching staff. And I'm just throwing out little bits and pieces here, but you, you probably know this, but they're taking a, they have to take a bus down there. So it's a 12-hour bus ride. Um, they're going to get down there. They're going to work out, and then the first game of the doubleheader on Friday is 11 a.m. So there's not much turnaround time, uh, which is uh, 
you know, there's a mental aspect to it, I'm sure. But uh, Cody Frank seems excited to get the opportunity to to start that first game and then the second game about three, and then you got another doubleheader on Saturday, the same same structure. And then you're on the bus back to Lincoln, and then on Tuesday it's down to Kansas State, Manhattan. And then you come home and you get the first uh, home series. And they got a lot of home games in the scheduled in the month, month of March. So um, I think they'll get it turned around. Uh, they've, they've played some some tough competition. You know, TCU is ranked. Uh, Sam Houston's ranked, although Sam Houston got swept by Sacramento State uh, this week, so or last weekend, so um, that was a bit of a surprise there. But, you know, I think positive things are going to happen still with the baseball team, as was the positive with the, with the basketball team. Yeah, and let me ask you this about the, the old bus trip. <clears throat> uh, is that by choice, or is, is, is the uh, Husker Airways uh, busy? No, I think because of the way they scheduled things um, initially, you know, this wasn't this wasn't on the schedule. I think there were there was some some other game, some other series that they were supposed to play, and didn't, or they restructured the schedule, and so they they couldn't um, do a flight, so they they have to take the bus. Yeah, Mike. From what I gathered uh, when I went and worked that Husker baseball scrimmage was they had SDSU San Diego State scheduled this weekend. Yeah. And then whenever San Diego State posted their schedule for the year, Nebraska wasn't included on it, and they reached out and said, what's up with that? And there was air in communication, so Nebraska had to throw this one together pretty last minute this weekend. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It was San Diego State. That's right. And uh, San Diego State had scheduled Nebraska, and I forget who else. <laughs> and uh, they're playing who else. So, um, yeah, it, it created a problem. But, you know, like uh, Will Bolt said, it's, you know, these guys have aspirations to play professionally. When you're in the minor leagues, you're probably going to be on bus trips, so um, you're going to learn you're going to learn something there. And Max Anderson, he hoped to watch a movie on the bus and sleep. So there you go, and you know, interact with his teammates. It's, it's an opportunity to to interact with your teammates, and that you know, that's positive. You, you have to you have to try to take it and make a positive out of it. You know, it, it is what it is, kind of a thing. To quote Bo Pelini. Um, Mike Babcock's with us at MD Babs on Twitter. Babber's going to go to to football. Who did you spend time with at the round table? Um, uh, Barrett Rude and Donovan Riola. And uh, what's uh, what's the read you get from Donovan? Uh, you know, I thought he was pretty close to the vest. He didn't. He wouldn't identify particular players at positions. Um, but, you know, he, he's not locked into what happened last year. He's not locked into looking at a lot of film there. Um, he's very much uh, straight-ahead focused. And, you know, it was, it was cool, as you, as you said, his brother was there. So um, that was kind of a cool way to get things started. But uh, uh, he's got a plan. He's very uh, committed to that plan. One of the things I, I liked was that uh, – He's not just looking to have five guys and that's it. You know, we're going to work with five guys. If if he can find some guys, you know, you're going to have uh, the ability to rotate some linemen in there, and I think you have to be able to do that. Um, like I always, you know, I'm old school Osborne. The way they always did it is what they wanted to do, at least minimal, was five starters, a swing guard, and a swing tackle so that you could rotate 
guards and tackles. And if you got more than that opportunity, um, that's even better. But uh, that's what you want to do. Yeah, Mike, we know Greg Austin's philosophy was to have guys cross-train, guys that can play both guard and tackle, and maybe even some center, kind of be able to move them along the lines, go from left to right, go from guard to tackle, do all that. Do you get that Riola is planning on doing the same thing with just how much is up in the air with the offensive line this year, or does he want guys to be training in individual spots? I think it's more, yeah, I think it's more like that. You know, I, and it, my sense is that, the, yeah, you know, whoever emerges as a center, um, that's kind of where that person is going to focus on that. And, uh, you know, Scott Frost said to a couple of, you know, the transfer offensive linemen, um, he, he's not going to have, initially he's not going to have them working at guard and tackle. It's going to, he's going to settle in. I think it's not like maybe they were going to settle in a guard. Um, so, yeah, I think that's, that, that's the plan. Mike, uh, with Nebraska, and I'm interested to get your thoughts here. With Whipple, he's always been able to to identify a, a best guy. And last year he had two options. One was, you know, the, the top All-American quarterback uh, runner-up in the Heisman in Pickett. The other, Belitnikoff Award winner, incredible uh, difference maker at wideout. Who do you think is um, early early in the running here to be Nebraska's best? Do they have a, a dude? Do they have a guy that can can be that on offense? They don't have anyone proven now, but do you feel good that a couple options, couple three options will emerge where the offense, the new staff, the new eyes will feel good? Because I think what's missing ha- has been consistency, and then you're obviously starting over at quarterback. Yeah, um, yeah I think well, I just think it's going to be interesting to watch the spring as it unfolds, you know, and it, and and I, you know, I like that he was direct. It's like, you know, who took the first snap? He he said it, you know, it was Casey Thompson took the first snap. That isn't going to be the starting quarterback when the season begins, but you know, he he was upfront about that. There's going to be a lot of competition at quarterback. There's going to be competition at wide receiver. Um, there's going to be competition. At running back, I mean, look at the running back room, the guys that they have. And I, I know Irvin's hurt, probably won't be doing a whole lot during the spring, but um, they've got a bunch of racks that uh, can, can compete for that job. And, I, you know, ultimately, uh, somebody's going to have to emerge, I think. Obviously, at quarterback, somebody's going to have to emerge, I think, at running back. Um, and then you've got uh, the opportunity to rotate some receivers. You've got You've got talent there that has to develop, but uh, I think he has some things to work with. But you're right, you know, that Pittsburgh, uh, that lightning in a bottle kind of a thing with a quarterback and that receiver, whose name I forget, but he had like 17 touchdown receptions and uh, 1,200 receiving yards or something like that. It was just remarkable. Um, so that do that makes you look pretty good with an offense when you've got guys like that. Jordan Addison is who we're thinking of, yeah. and, and he was really, really good. Well, and, yeah, the, okay. the emergence. And, Mike, I'm interested to see how the competition between Palmer and Omar Manning creates uh, a, a setup where, where both guys really blow up in a, in a great way next fall. I'm not, I'm not sure that, that Manning had – as stiff a competition as Palmer will bring 
and I'm and I'm thinking Mickey'll be able to get based on his history some really good consistency out of that receiver room when we talk about Betts and Omar. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think that's true, and it, and again, I think that you're going to have uh, multiple guys that are going to have an opportunity in there, and they can compete and they can get on the field. That's going to happen, um, and and I also think that you're going to have that at tight end. Um, you know, Volkluck's not going to be able to do some stuff in the spring, but but uh, he's obviously involved. Um, he's going to help coach, I guess. Is what what uh, <laughs> Frost said that? Did he say that the guys who were that were injured and couldn't play play were going to be out there helping coach? Mike, you mentioned what Frost just said, so I want to get your take just on on Scott Frost press conference as a whole here quick we got about a minute left did you get a more relaxed feel from scott frost on uh, on monday i mean i know from watching at home watching on the stream that it, it felt like a different vibe and i understand it's spring and that makes things a little bit differently but he just felt more relaxed more comfortable in front of the media on monday well you know i thought yeah he had a couple of jokes there that were i thought were pretty funny um he kept it relaxed and i you know uh, the accessibility, I think, is always a good thing. At Nebraska, you almost expect it. But um, yeah, I, I thought he seemed—I thought he seemed relaxed. And and uh, you know, heaven knows there's there's plenty of pressure on him anyway. And then there's the additional pressure of well, you brought in all these off and new offensive assistants. You know, you've got a mesh there, and and uh, so yeah, I think all things considered. Um, yeah, I, I thought I thought he wa- I did seem relaxed. You know, he's he's committed. I, I hope they have some success because I think he's a I think he's the right guy for the job. I just you know it's it's not easy in this day and age. That's for sure. It never is. But when you add in NIL and transfer portal and and all these things, the internet, everything that exists now that didn't exist. 25 years ago or whatever um, you can see there's a lot to, a lot of pressure and I think that's partly why he decided to kind of step away and let somebody else handle the offense and he was going to go both ways look around and spend some time with the defense and the younger guys and whatever Babbers good stuff there's a great picture of Babbers in long sleeves on Steve Mark's Twitter handle <laughs> check that yeah. out Mike, we'll, we'll run you down next week, bud. Thanks for the time. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back here, Hale Varsity Radio Roadshow, Wednesday here at Papio South, home of the Titans, the A7 Boys District Final. Tips off at 7. Jeff Smith on the call with me and... Uh, Bolt's looking to get back to PBA. They are a staple. The girls are going. We'll talk with Andy Markowski coming up here at 5. And then uh, Coach, uh, before he makes his way up here to to Papio South. Numbers to get in, 466-377-6476-377-800-825-5865. We are efforting. Shuey, Mike Shuart, Wilderness Ridge Golf. Now, uh, Shuey has told us that the, the course is closed. The, the putting green, however, probably not closed. It's 80 degrees. It's in Lincoln. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous in a lot of the state. And if, if I'm trying to get a phone call from Schmidt, if I'm in his shoes, I'm, I'm avoiding that thing and I'm soaking the sun up. 
So we'll see if, in fact, we get a hold of, of Mike Schuhart. Uh, we will continue to effort him. Uh, Elijah, what is the scoop, my friend? Shuey, yay or nay? Still going to voicemail. So it's not a hang-up type thing. It's like a phone's in the pocket, <laughs> probably busy putting somewhere rather than he's, like He's a, teaching. I mean, there's he's been, there's been a couple teaching. times where I've like I've sent a call out and it's just been two rings straight to voicemail. I go, that's not right. I know that uh, that somebody made the effort to, to actively hang up on me. That's not the case here. Uh, I have a feeling he's just out enjoying the 80-degree weather. How um how often have, uh, did it take for you to, to to learn that harsh reality of it's too quick of a up that call ended. <laughs> um, a lot of the junior high years. I was gonna say high school when we start getting into the dating scene for sure. Okay. <laughs> well, we will have to uh, well, to hear more about the 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 dating. No, success stories no. of one of you didn't try growing that caterpillar, magnum. P.I. tribute in high school, did you? Yeah, no. So the the successes have been coming uh, m- more recently than uh, than back in high school. The, the mustache had a big effect on that, I think. But it's funny. I actually like despised calling <laughs> it was about people, four. like and talking okay. on the we, phone, like any of that, until I got this job here. And now it's like I'm calling four people to. a day, talking on the phone. I realized how much easier it is to just call people. Like I used to be a big texter. No, texting's great until you you got to communicate and look someone in the eye. But no, there you go. There you go. There's about four kids. Every high school had them. Even some in junior high. That Some of those junior high kids that, that may have gray shirted back in the day. Oops, <laughs> I just saw you in eighth grade. What happened? Uh, Dad's holding me back so I can make the freshman team. Uh, whatever. But uh, let's dive into some Nebraska football, really some fast. spring football. Really fast. I, I just have a, a personal story. My former roommate, Tyler, uh, I've known him since probably freshman year of high school. And since eighth grade, whenever he would go to high school sporting events, they'd charge him the uh, the adult price. The adult cause, price? Cause he had a full beard going. So he had to start like, bringing his student IDs because no one would ever believe him. Tyler, uh, see, there's a kid I lockered next to at Irving, junior high, and he was a big track and field guy. And I'm – guessing he probably could have starred for the East German track and field team. <laughs> I mean, he dude was working on a comb over and he had just started getting, you know, the, the old basics down for, for, for driver's ed. But yeah, he, uh, he was a, he was a, a grown up by the time he hit ninth grade. Mm-hmm. So Nebraska football, good story out of the athletic here. They, uh, they are doing their five teams to watch and, Stop me if you've heard of these programs before. Yes, you have. But typically it's good to be mentioned with Florida, right? USC, Clemson, and Texas A&M. A&M, really good. They beat Bama, uh, and they, they really rebounded down the stretch. I know they fell to LSU, and I know they, were, they fell to the Pirate. They were at 1.4 and 4. And then they had their, their game saver, their season saver. The, the kick hurt all around Texas to, to beat Bama. Clemson was mortal last year at 10 and 3 and still finished ranked. Despite too many freshmen on the offensive line and retooling a defense, SC's always underachieved uh, aside from the Pete and Reggie Bush beach house years. And, and now you have Nebraska in this mentioned in this group mentioned with five teams ready for a jump and listen it's it's well documented nebraska the statistical anomaly of last year with the the total of, of points they scored 
you're flipping things. And, and the bet here is that it can all kind of come together in just a year. In, in the portal era, you get a couple of key additions and you don't get hammered by the attrition. And let's just call it what it is. You make changes on offense to upgrade. You make changes on offense to upgrade as an offensive coordinator. You get a guy like Whipple who's seen and done it all. And you get a vet that is going to be probably a little snurly, surly and a little snarly. This is his... Uh, this is his kitchen table, right? So it's it's going to go that way. You get a, a tremendous talent in Mickey Joseph with his proven track record. You're on a little bit of a, a limb with, with the Riola, and that's just because he's not been in college for a while. If you're in the NFL and you're on the N- NFL coaching staff, you're a, you're a good coach. So I don't doubt his coaching or his communication ability. So – you just hoping it can pop in year one. And even if it's six and six next year, I don't think you I don't think you hit now granted it's gotta be different than last year where you're getting your heart ripped out of your chest every week, all the time. You gotta close. You gotta close some games clearly to get to six and six. But even if they're not seven or not at eight wins or not competing for the West in November, that would suck if you're a Nebraska fan for a sixth straight year. Totally get it. But it's not to the point where you're going to dynamite the whole thing. I don't think if they're right there, give the staff a second year together. Don't make the same mistake you made in 03 where you blew things up with a really good staff that was retooled by Frank Um and, you know, you, you kind of always wonder, you never know what 04 could have been uh, in, in uh, Nebraska with the players coming back and not having to train, change systems. You don't want to roll the dice and crap out that way by pulling the trigger uh, with the head man and, and the guys he's assembled. You need more than a, than a year in most insta- instances. So we'll see. Trev's shown a lot of patience. He's done that with, with Frost, obviously. He's done that with Hoiberg. And the early returns on the patience 2-0 in basketball. And uh, you've knocked it out of the park on paper, at least portal-wise, with your recruiting. You've got two guys that are going to make the rest of the place go nuts. You have three guys, really. Uh, and Applewhite, and, and Joseph, and, of course, in Bill Bush that are going to just be animals on the recruiting trail. And uh, that is going to rise the level of the rest of the staff, in my humble opinion, to keep up. So they're not left behind. Uh, so they're pulling their own weight. Um, we'll wind down this first hour. Uh, we are here at Papio South, ahead of the district final, the A7 final. Pius on the road tonight for a chance to go back to PBA. Next week, the Pious Boys and Coach Spitzka. Titans, a really good ball club as well. Uh, Andy Markowski is on the way next hour. It's Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time this hour, Hale Varsity Radio Road Show. We're streaming live. You can check us out on the ESPN Lincoln Twitter feed. Also on the ESPN Lincoln Facebook interviews, always find them at ESPNLincoln.com as uh, real easy to, to go to the on-demand section for the podcasts and uh, subscribe to Hale Varsity Radio. Take the podcast with and listen to us when you want, uh, when you can.
anytime uh, on your time. Good, bad, or ugly, give us a review. We'll uh, happily listen and take that. Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and again, ESPN Lincoln Twitter at Hale Varsity Twitter at Herbal Essence for Elijah at Schmidt underscore radio. Reminder to buckle up. Game preparation and repetition predict success and winning drivers and vehicle passengers who always use their seatbelts will increase their survival chances if a crash should happen. Remember to always buckle up. A message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Elijah, how many games are you doing, man? Any idea for uh, for the umpire schedule for you? Uh, the first three weeks, I want to say, two and a half to three weeks of the season are, are scheduled out now, and uh, I'm already sitting at like seven games for the first two weeks, so uh, nothing too bad there. Uh, we're we're going to be seeing what this summer is going to be looking like. Might be uh, fewer games uh, for the taking this summer. Uh, however, uh, we're only down to 42, I think, umpires in our association. We have all of Lincoln in the spring, plus uh, some uh, some schools around, including Waverly, York. Uh, we have Malcolm, uh, a lot of schools in the uh, in the area. So we'll see. There should be a lot of games this spring. We'll see uh, what's coming up this summer, but... Uh, I'm looking forward to getting out there, getting out in the fields, uh, calling your son out a few times. Uh, should be a good summer. <laughs> <laughs> well, baseball tryouts are ongoing with Southwest. Uh, today is round one of cuts. I will let you know tomorrow mm-hmm. uh, if you have uh, that opportunity or not. Uh, we will see if um, all the time in the cage is paid off. If not, do better. Get <laughs> better. So uh, with uh, what, what's the best insult slash heckle you've heard as an umpire um that's a good question see for the most part i think i've gone over this before i like getting heckled out there as an umpire just a little bit there's within reason like nothing too personal don't don't you've got it you've got to get annoyed though if somebody's had 17 yeti cups full of uh special lemonade and it's early on and they've been they've been priming for a while and borderline ball crosses the dish on the black you punch them out and they just they, they start questioning you see, how's your how's your pain tolerance with that see i i i like i take it as like a, yeah i am out here trying to do my best trying to be my best so usually i take it as you don't like wear a, those big oakley's to, to hide your tears no i, I just uh, if, if it's like a, a parent heckling like they they got something to say i'm like well i know that was a strike so it's like it's the the, the mental middle finger you know of just being like i'm just not even going to give them the time of day um, with players, sometimes uh, they can get a little bit frustrated. It's it's shocking, but usually you get more problems with players in like that ten and twelve year old region, especially with parents too. That's that's no fun to umpire those kids because like they pay you less. It's usually like whenever I'm out there, it's usually like an eight hour day where I have like six ten year old games, and then the the parents and players are the worst. You get up to high school level, and usually it's a little I, more understanding all around. I hope the uh, there's not been the eight year old. Took the end of the bat and drew where the where the pitch crossed outside corner beyond, and he just took the, took the end of the bat and drew the line. Blue, that's where that came by. And there's Elijah Tosin, an eight-year-old. All right, hour two on the way. Hail Varsity Roadshow Wednesday at Papio South. Pius and Titans coming up. Andy Markowski's next. 
Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. It's Hour 2, Hale Varsity Radio on the road. A Wednesday road show at Papillion La Vista South ahead of the A7 Boys District Final. Pius and uh, Papio South hosting. We'll dive into some basketball with the pride of Ord. We welcome in Husker standout assistant for the Pius girls, Andy Markowski, with us at Markowski underscore Andy on Twitter. Andy, did you get some, uh, some golf in today, man? How are you? No, I didn't. I've uh, I've been recovering from a, a busy week of basketball and getting ready to uh, head to Indianapolis tomorrow. I, I thought you'd be heading to Indy. Let's start there. First and foremost, congratulations to uh, Alexis uh, for her award, uh, Freshman of the Year. Andy, I'm sure you and, and the family have got to be absolutely thrilled with that. Uh, can you kind of share uh, your reaction, her reaction, just the, the, the moment you guys had when uh, when she heard. Yeah, we, we were super excited for her. Um, you know, it was one of those awards where you felt, um, you know, there's enough data through the year with her winning several, you know, Big Ten Freshman of the Weeks that you're like, surely, you know, that would correlate to, to winning the, the Freshman Player of the Year. But you just, you know, you don't know. And, and when it was – Announced, uh, we yeah you know, we caught word a little little before the announcement just because Alexis had some additional interview responsibilities and some of that that they were setting up. But you know, super proud of her. Um, you know, it's a it's a team award. I think uh, you know the fact that she was able to play one on one in the post this season is a credit to the guards and the ability of players like Jazz Shelley and Sam Hybe to get her some you know some uh, opportunities off of their penetration. So uh, you know, Alexis is had a great year but they've, they've had a better year as a team and i'm excited to see how they're going to finish the, the year out eddie markowski is with us hail varsity radio andy you uh you, you played division one you were a two-time captain you were on tournament teams can you put into words what what her jump has been like great player in high school incredible you know gatorade player of the year i mean uh the best in a long time uh in in nebraska uh for for girls basketball but to jump and dominate like she has uh incredible and and you know how tough that jump is uh was that a conversation you had with her going in to this year just the the level uh the step up that was going to going to be needed we know she's worked on her game and she's been uh, incredible but uh, man for her to do it as consistently as she's done super impressive yeah, we, we knew going in, um, you know, I, I thought, you know, strength is usually the, the area that if you can't play as a freshman, you know, it, it, it comes down to, to a lot of times just lack of strength, right, inability to, to play in traffic or get a rebound or, or be able to defend. And, you know, I, I thought she was going to be, you know, strong enough and, and play hard enough to, to have some sort of an impact, whether that's five minutes, ten minutes, twelve minutes. You know, you just didn't know. Um, you know, her ability to to continue to grow as an offensive player and, and Coach Williams' system and, and finding, 
you know, new ways to score. She's, you know, put it on the floor. She's, you know, obviously stepping out and, and shooting the basketball um, at a consistent enough clip where or teams are having to, to guard her in the scatter report. So those are the things that, um, you know, I've been pleasantly surprised with. But, but she's also worked really hard at it. I mean, since June, uh, she's been in basketball first. It's really the first time in her life that she's given all her time and energy to one sport. Uh, whereas, you know, she was a volleyball and basketball player in high school and spent a lot of time in the club volleyball and, and some of those other things to, to make sure she's a well-rounded athlete. But, you know, and, and then she, you know, really committed to, to getting in better shape, to being able to, to play longer stretches of minutes, to be able to go out and, and hedge ball screens. You know, I don't know if, if people notice, but, you know, the, 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 the recipe on Alexis right now is they're trying to put her in a, in a ton of ball screens uh, to try to get her to foul, that to, to, you know, let guards attack her, um, you know, and she's doing a much better job of, of, of hedging and recovering and, and doing some of that stuff out of 22 feet, which, you know, obviously we didn't ask her to do that in high school, um, nor did she want to get in the stance and, and chase people around in high school. You know, she just was able to kind of camp inside. So she's improved in all those areas, but I, I don't think it was – one moment. I, I think she's just week to week and, and month to month has continued to put the work in and, and her confidence level is up, which I think has allowed her to, to translate that into games. Andy, yeah, Alex has been incredible this year, but really the, when you look at the, the Nebraska basketball team as a whole, it, it was younger than I thought whenever I saw senior day. Like A lot of the, the contributors for this team uh, still have another year or two left of eligibility. So I, I want to ask as we move into the, the Big Ten tournament here, what's the mentality of this team? Is it a let's get some experience, let's, let's get a tournament experience ahead of the NCAA tournament, or, or is it a year where they're trying to go win it all now? Well, I, you know, I like the leadership they have in the locker room, and you know, I think they're the the years that are listed, you know, in the in the media guide is uh, a little off because of COVID, right? I mean, you know, they all kind of got that extra year back, um, so they're they're probably more experienced than you know, born as a is a so, uh, junior instead of a sophomore, but you know, so this is their third year, so I, I think they have the nucleus uh, where where their expectation isn't just to go to Indy and. And you know, hopefully, win a game or you know, try try to win two games. I, I do think they feel like they can make a run. Um, you know, you got to get a little lucky and not getting a first round by will certainly hurt their chances as you get into day three and, and hopefully day four. But you know, this is a group that that expects to win. They got off to a thirteen and zero start. Um, you know, they they hit a uh, a little bit of lull with a slow start to the conference season, but then you managed to win eleven. You know, conference games against you know a, a really good uh, top end of the Big Ten. I mean, four four teams are targeted to be in the top sixteen and host NCAA tournament first and second round side. So, um, based on my messaging uh, from Alexa or her messaging to me is, you know, their their plan is to win. Um, and I know my daughter; um, she wants to win a national title. I mean, I know that's crazy, but but she she believes that 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 is something she wants to do and. You know, hopefully they can they can make a big step this year to to get to the tournament, maybe win a game, try to get to the you know the second weekend um, to, to start to recruit better and build momentum to to maybe make that a realistic goal down the road. Eddie Markowski's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Thoughts on Husker women's basketball and Big Ten Freshman of the Year, uh, Alexis Markowski. Eddie, going to switch gears to Nebraska men's basketball, and we haven't talked since Trev uh, went on his, his monthly radio show, and Fred's back for a fourth year. Has that played into Nebraska's sudden resurgence, in your opinion? 
Well, you just never know. Um, you know, I, I got to believe it, it allowed everybody to kind of exhale, take a deep breath, uh, know that, you know, Coach Hoiberg is their coach. You know, they're not really playing for, you know, his job. I, I, I certainly, I, I think it puts you in a better frame of mind. And, you know, when your mind's clear, you know, I think you, you can compete at a higher level. And, you know, the, the other thing is that the shots are starting to fall and, you know, their confidence level is up. So I, I think it's kind of a combination of all that, Chris. But, you know, I, I credit Trev, you know, whether or not you agree with it or not, you know, for him to have the, the um, ability to put a plan together, to execute on that plan, to get Coach Hoiberg, um, you know, agreeing to that plan, um, you know, I stabilized the end of this season where I think there would have been a lot of negativity and, and questions. You know, it allowed them to, to kind of hit reset. Um, and, and certainly going on the road and winning two games is, is, a, is a credit to the staff and the players because I don't think anybody, uh, you know, I, I, we all thought they could be competitive the last six games based on the competition. Um, but I don't think anybody had them winning, you know, back-to-back road games, especially against the top 25 team in Ohio State. Break out your crystal ball, Andy. What do you – you know, let's talk about that, that, that plan that, that Fred had for Trev, right? Uh, what, what are the cliff notes? What are the, what are the, what are the cliff notes have to be uh, to, uh, to, to see that fourth year? And, and Trev's obviously being patient. There's also the financial elephant, even though things were uh, re, restructured. Um, you know, what, what do you think's a part of Trev's, I should say, Fred's fourth year and, and beyond is, is he hopes? Well, you know, I, you don't know all the dynamics. That, that went into play, you know, certainly some of the things I look for is just accountability to effort, accountability to, you know, shot selection and, and, and you know, playing with a purpose. And, you know, this team didn't do that, right, for, for, for a lot of, of the season. And it appears now that, you know, Fred's, you know, we've all seen players kind of get a hook for a bad decision or a bad shot where early in the season, you know, you just kind of ask yourself, like, how, how could you live with that? I mean, where, where is the – Accountability, and I, I think the bench is always, uh, you know, a powerful motivator. So I, I've seen, you know, progress in those areas. Um, you know, so as an AD, you know, I don't, I don't know where the, you know, where the miscommunication was with with his team early in the year, or why he couldn't get him to, to kind of buy into the best strategy to to have more team success. Uh, you know, I think it starts there, um, and then you know, B, I think it starts with a better recruiting plan. Uh, he has some more high school kids coming in next year. You know, you, you hopefully the roster doesn't turn over. So maybe Fred had the, you know, maybe he has a better idea who's going to be back and, and who isn't, uh, where he was able to kind of convey that on, on the pieces that he could build build around going forward. So, you know, I, I think, you know, I think the money factored into it. You know, Chris, I, I think Trev was creative on how to, you know, kind of hedge that and, and, and get another year. But I don't think Trev would have done that if Fred didn't have a pretty – you know, concrete plan on areas that he had to improve for, for this program to be more competitive in the, you know, in the tough Big, Big Ten Conference. Andy Markowski is with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Andy, as you see how this team has started to gel at the end of the year, how do you think Fred should ride that line between A, wanting to get more talent into this program, but B, also trying to keep a, a core together of guys that can gel further in a second or a third year together? Um, because I think we've seen that the, the roster management, the roster setup of this team this year wasn't ideal for a, a, a Big Ten conference. Um, so there's going to need to be new guys in the mix, but you also can't turn over for another year, can you? 
Yeah, I think anytime you you turn over your program, you you know you 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 set it back. You know, you need leadership, you need continuity. You know, you have to get your system in place. That's just not on the court, right? It's it's expectations in the off season and and the work ethic and and the weights and nutrition and all the things that you know the great programs have. Um, but that being said, if, if you have kids that that don't want to be here or they're disruptive or you know they're here for the you know the selfish reasons versus you know putting that in on on your chest first for for the team. I, I think you got to move on from from those uh, players as well. They could be you know cancerous to to your program and, and the growth of, of young kids. So you know I think that's a delicate balance. Um, you know I, you have to recruit the right kid from the start so you don't have that disruption. You know, I think you're always going to have a kid leave or a kid that wants to pursue more minutes or you know just can't find his way in a rotation for whatever reason you're you're going to have that but you know if you're if you're bringing in five six seven kids every year um you you you're never going to uh, have the continuity you need to compete in the Big 10 Andy Markowski's with us Andy a couple of minutes here and we'll get you out man and and have fun in Indy and and cheer hard you've been a, a part of a team that's gotten hot What's Nebraska's ceiling with uh, getting hot? They've got two in a row. Wisconsin looms. They're uh, they're co-champs. They they want to finish off obviously the right way. But then you have uh, the Big Ten tournament looming. Could Nebraska scare slash surprise some more teams here before the season's done? Yeah, I mean I'm not crazy enough to to think that they can go on uh, you know on a, on a huge run, but but certainly momentum this time you know there, there's ebbs and flows to the season. You know you see teams that that go on a lull, and you know I think Ohio State is in that right now. You know just not playing that well, and Nebraska caught them, you know uh, at a good time. You know you you you're catching Wisconsin at a great time too, right? I mean you saw that game last night. They you know they clinched the league. There's court storming. You know it's going to get you know, be hard to kind of reel that group back in and get them focused for a Nebraska team um, that that you know frankly hasn't been very good. So you know, you 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 catch them at the right time. You know, then the Big Ten tournament comes down to some you know some matchups and and you know can you make shots? But you know, in the end, the reason why the Big Ten tournament sets up the way it does with with the top teams getting a double buy is the longer you play. You know, the the, the more rest that teams have uh, becomes an advantage, right? And, and to try to win, you know, day one is going to be a challenge. Winning day two, and then and then by day three, you're playing a team that has yet to has yet to play. It, it becomes harder and harder. And you know, Nebraska is not super deep, but you know, I'll give them credit. I, I do think you know they're catching Wisconsin at a good time from a from a focus standpoint, and you know, I think they can go on the road and, and certainly keep that game more competitive than what people might think. Coaching carousel question: Rick Pitino to Maryland. How does that grab you? You know, nothing surprises me <laughs> anymore. I mean, uh, you know, uh, it, it pains me to, to see guys that have cheated and, and you know have done things the wrong way. Um, but but winning, you know, trumps everything. You know, Maryland fired a, a, a really good guy and a, and a good coach in Turgeon because he didn't win enough, even though they won the league three years ago. So, you know, when you put winning first, um, you know, you're going to go after a coach that has a great winning track record. And, and certainly Rick Pitino, uh, you know, has that at multiple schools and, and multiple levels. So, um, you know, the, quite a personality that to add to the Big Ten, which is pretty stoic uh, in terms of Izzo and, you know, Greg Gard and Matt Painter and, <laughs> 
you start thinking about the the coaches, and then you add that personality in the league, uh, you know, it could carry some fireworks. Well, and, you know, and imagine the handshake line if uh, Jawan and Patino were mad at each other. I mean, <laughs> yeah, uh, no, I, it certainly uh, it, it, it adds some, uh, some some personality to uh, you know to a great basketball conference, right? I mean, I, I tell people that all the time. It's, you know, um, the Big Twelve is is a good league um, that has you know good teams and, and teams that can win in the tournament. You know, the Big Ten is is just a grind in our league. That's uh, you know from the middle to the to the back end is, is always you know very well supported, very well coached, and and it's just a hard hard league to win in. Eddie, enjoy Indy. Best to you guys. Thanks for the time. Thanks, fellas. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time, Hale Varsity Radio, on the road here at Papio South as. The old clock is ticking down about an hour and a half from the start of the A7 final and uh, see who heads to PBA for boys state in Class A. We say hi to Hall of Fame coach and assistant. He'll be on the call with me here shortly here at uh, Papio South for Pius and the Titans. Jeff Smith is with us. Coach Smith, uh, I asked Andy Markowski, a player of yours, uh, Nebraska, if he got out and enjoyed the weather. I'm going to ask the same question to you. Did you find uh, a place that would let you tee off today? I, you know the answer to that, Chris. I, of course, did. I went to the last two mornings. I slipped over to Holmes Golf Course, about 8.30 tee off, um, played nine holes, walked nine holes, got a little exercise, and uh, it was good. It was good. This weather's unbelievable. I am jealous. Not that I'm not happy to be in the gym, but... Uh... It was really sunny and, and, and awesome driving up. I can only imagine what, what it felt like outdoors. Good for you. So, Coach, i got to start with uh, some Nebraska basketball before we get to the uh, high school setup here for, for Boys State and the, the district finals. Uh, you know, I was asking Andy about, you know, getting hot and what kind of run can, can Nebraska stay on with one regular season game left and then the Big Ten tournament. What, what did what did last night say to you about Nebraska basketball? Can you take too much out of two games in a row? Or, hey, at this point in the year after the season they've had, is it okay to go, hey, man, uh, maybe things are looking up for the program? Yeah, I, I felt like uh, it was a good message that they definitely haven't quit. You know, there's some character there that's coming out. Um, there's a little pride there. It seems like it seems like, it feels like somebody lit a fire under them a little bit. There's just the little things seem to be mad. You know, they're boxing out a little better. It seems like Alonzo's playing a little more pure point and distributing the ball better. Um, they're valuing the ball. They only had four turnovers last night, which is amazing. Now I think they mm-hmm. caught Penn State and Ohio State on on pretty good nights with some injuries and things, but still they're doing they're doing it on the floor. I think there's some. Uh, there's about three or four guys that are confident right now, and when that many guys are shooting the ball well, that makes a difference with your defense, your bench, everything, so the confidence level goes up. Um, so I think a combination of all of those things um, is a factor. It's nice to see. I, I know we all wish it would have happened earlier, uh, three months ago, but uh, it didn't. And uh, we'll see how, how far this uh, heater, how, how far they can go in this heater that they're in right now. As a coach, can you sense you guys are about ready to go on a heater? 
Yeah, you, you, you can. You can start seeing it in practice. Um, you know, the other thing I think is they're down to kind of an eight-man rotation, and I don't think they're pulling guys. I think Andy said that, too. I don't think the guys are looking over their shoulder quite as much. They've got a good rotation going right now with some really good bench play with their three guys they're playing off the bench. Wilcher's playing fantastic. Eduardo's giving them some things. Um, Webster's giving them some things. And I think they're just getting a few more minutes um, not distributing the time as much with some of the other guys. And that, that can get you in a little better rhythm and with that confidence that you're not going to get pulled. You know, they've, they've finally learned shot selection, it looks like, at least to a little better level. That, all that adds up to a, a difference. But I, as a coach, you always hope, your, your main hope is going into the tournaments that you are playing your best basketball and you are on one of those streaks that Nebraska seems to be on. If that can last into the big... 10 tournament, I don't know. Wisconsin will be a challenge, but um, you can kind of sense it as a coach. You, you can feel it uh, with the team. You know, I had an old doctor friend that said your biorhythms bio are up and measured those, and, you know, who knows. But they've got some guys playing confident and, and multiple guys, not just one or two. Coach Jeff Smith with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And coach, we saw at the end of last season, Nebraska kind of got a little bit uh, – uh, hot is a good way to put it. They're playing their best basketball at the end of last season, but then a lot of roster turnover in the offseason, a really different-looking team this year. And it really feels like they've needed a few months to get their feet underneath them. Do you think that this late-season momentum we're seeing could mean good things for, for next season, just with the uh, how much this, this core has been able to play together this year? Yeah, good question. The one that scares me, though, is Alon- it looks like Alonzo's finally – finally really grasping the point guard position, having never played it much in his life and always being a scorer. But now we got to retrain a, a starting point guard next year. Um, that's that's going to be a challenge. Uh, to me, that's the most important position on the floor, like your quarterback. And then, of course, your big that can control the pain a little bit and rebound the ball and play defense inside. So, you know, if, if, if Mr. Walker would come back and, and – I still think Trey McGowan's can be a combo guard. There's times when he plays a little bit of point. He looks pretty good. And then they've got McPherson sitting out and another recruit. So I hope they don't have to start over too much. It just seems like, you know, last year, they, like you said, they had that mo going and then just too much turnover, and it took them too long to find it. So uh, I hope they can get a little continuity. Um, the older guys are playing better right now. I think Lat Mayans play as good as he's ever played mm-hmm. in Nebraska. And, you know, so maybe he can come back. I, I don't know. But hopefully we'll get some continuity. Jeff Smith's with us. Hail Varsity Radio Roadshow Wednesday here at Papio South, ahead of, the, uh, ahead of uh, Papio South and Pius. Coach, I want to go back to the, uh, the Big A tournament run in 94. And um, what do you remember about that experience? Uh, I remember watching the games out uh, on my deck as a, as a junior high kid going, this this would have been the year to uh, to listen to Danny to buy Big A tournament tickets down at Kemper. We went in 92. But uh, what was that experience like uh, for you and, and the squad? I mean, Nebraska fans still smile about it. Yeah, we, we that was a situation where you asked if you knew you were playing pretty well. We were pretty confident going to that tournament. I, I think our biggest fear was we hadn't had – a lot of success down there in Kansas City. So get, getting by that first one, we, we felt like if we could just, and I, I've said that all along, tournaments sometimes the first is, first is the hardest one to win. Get by that first one. We were very confident going in the semis. We played well against those teams. Um, 
And so, you know, not only did we feel like we were playing well, we felt like if we got that first one, the players were going to realize how good we really were. Our roles were defined awfully well at that time. And it was just a really, really good team effort that we had a lot of guys playing well, kind of like Nebraska has the last three games. Well, you got a little payback with Missouri, too. Uh, Donnie yeah, Kemper, that was that was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, and we were we were very much looking forward to play them, and you know the old Danny Norm rivalry was, but but we we felt like we owed them, so I thought we had a pretty good psychological edge going into that game. Coach, let's switch gears to the uh, the uh, the districts here, and uh, we'll get your take here on some of the the Lincoln area teams. Of course, Southwest at, at Gretna. A thought on that matchup, Gretna's. Uh, you know, played Alabama's SEC West schedule this year and done pretty well. I, I kind of kid, but uh, I mean uh, that's that's going to be contested just down the highway from here. And then also comment here: we've seen Pius quite a bit as well, but uh, Papio South, man, they've got some impressive wins this year as well. Yeah, Gretna Southwest. Gretna beat Southwest at Southwest by five in, during the regular season in overtime. I think they're very even teams. I think Southwest is playing really well down the stretch here. They've got a couple freshmen that are contributing a little more than they did at the start of the year. And Hunzecker, I think, will be the mm-hmm. difference in that game. So I'm going to take Southwest just by a couple, even though they're on the road at Gretna. Um, Gretna is a, a younger team, um, district championship, just not positive how they're going to respond. Very well coached, both teams are. That, that'll be a great game. Um, I think in the game we're going to cover – Papio South shoots the ball extremely well, um, and they're going to have to, I think, against Pius's. Again, Pius has the length advantage. I think Pius's starters are maybe better overall than Papio South, and Papio South bench might be a little better. So it might come down to, you know, fouls and bench contributions. Um, Pius, Pius and, and Papio South play a very similar style. They won't press each other too much. They're going to play solid man-to-man. Both teams shoot it pretty good. If Pius can, can score around the basket a little more than, than Papio South can and limit their threes, I think Pius can win this game as well. Uh, and that 7-8, really they're the 7-8 seeds. Um, hopefully one of them will get a wild card. You never know what's going to, you know, if, if Southwest upsets Gretna, they won't. But um, that's, that's always a really close, that 7-8 seed is always a really close contest. And I, I think we're going to see a really good one tonight. Northeast is it? prep as well and, and northeast has played prep well at their uh, in their gym and of course east sparty always has a little magic i'll just say that and they're at west side tonight yeah and they they have not played which is an advantage for east and we know east is just so scrappy um I, i'm not counting them out i think west side is a good really good team but i think east actually matches up to them pretty well northeast uh lost to prep by six at, at Northeast, so now they're going up there. Prep's been kind of an up-and-down team. They'll, they'll beat a really good team, and then they'll, then they'll kind of lay an egg. And, and uh, I think Northeast and East are very similar, that they're tough outs. I think they have a lot of good basketball players, and they play really hard. Um, so I think, I think both of those schools are going to be a, uh, teams are going to be a tough out. Westside probably has a little better advantage over East than Prep over Northeast, but it wouldn't surprise me that Northeast can pull that one off either. So, did you hear Chucky call bank last night for the win? <laughs> you know, they, they hit those two banks. I got beat in a two, the 2000 district. We got beat on two banked-in threes. So, it was, just, it was like deja vu. Oh, I can no. just feel Coach, Painter, I could feel Coach Painter's pain 
that's a tough because you know those aren't very good shots if they're banking in shots they don't intend to. But but Chucky's kind of that kind of guy. He'll just somehow make a play and and uh, fantastic for him. And that'll be fun to go watch Nebraska play up there against Chucky to to and and see if they can take that title uh, take that title elusive title away from him maybe or at least share it. Jeff Smith with us, uh, Hale Varsity Radio Hall of Fame coach uh, for Southeast and longtime assistant with Nebraska basketball and coach Danny Nee. Coach, safe travels up here. We'll see you in a little bit for tip-off with Papio South Pius, all right? Yeah, I'll hit the road. Be there in about 50 minutes. Sounds good, coach. Take care. Appreciate right. you. see ya. There he is, Jeff Smith. Got some golf in, got some basketball in. Good day. For, uh, for Coach Smith, and excited to have him tonight. And, of course, plenty of state coverage, girls and boys, next week with ESPN Lincoln locally. And, uh, of course, KFOR, our sister station, and our affiliates do an amazing job uh, as well with their area team coverage. Doug Duda and company uh, out at uh, ESPN Superstation in central Nebraska. And, of course, Gus and the crew with uh, with uh, Newstalk 900 in Columbus. Man, fired up for March. And by the way, uh, 15 home baseball games this month as well. So a lot to do. We'll uh, do a jock talk on the way. Some thoughts as well with the uh, NFL Combine uh, looming here tomorrow and, and through the weekend. Uh, time for some Huskers to stand out. They might just do it. Hale Varsity continues presented by the Nebraska Lottery. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hale Varsity Radio. I got the body of a taut preteen Swedish boy. Back into it at Bar City Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Time for a Jock Doc Wednesday, Nebraska Orthopedic Center. Dr. Ben Woodhead with us. Dr. Ben, you dust the clubs off, bud. How are you? <laughs> yeah, I'm doing good. My clubs are still dusty, but I'm getting close. Well, today we need to dust them off and go, uh, go putt, man. But uh, NFL on our mind, Dr. Ben, and... You've got a couple of quarterbacks. Uh, what a run San Francisco made this year, and Dallas better than than past years. Both quarterbacks under the knife here this offseason. Let's start with Jimmy G, and we know he sprained that throwing shoulder during the postseason, and uh, he had a, a, an intervention done here, nothing specific. But as you look at Jimmy G and that shoulder issue, uh, what are some thoughts? Yeah, I mean, a lot of it depends on what was actually done. There's a lot of things that can go on in a throwing shoulder. You know, you got the bumper around the shoulder, which is kind of the labrum that keeps it stable. That can be torn. Um, some of these quarterbacks can get rotator cuff issues. Um, and, you know, then sometimes you can just have some some kind of loose bodies or some cartilage defects that may be occurring. And so depending on what actually went on will kind of depend on how he recovers. Um, best case scenario though, you know, they go in there and kind of clean things up and gradually let him get back from a rehab standpoint. Well, you look at the interest that Jimmy G has out there on the trade market and his problem hasn't been production per se. It's been availability, uh, with Shanahan and, uh, this just kind of reading between the lines, this can't be too serious of a shoulder issue if it's not scaring anybody off on the trade market. 
Yeah, absolutely. As long as it is some like a mild type of uh, scenario, you know, his rehab prognosis and the outlook should be fantastic. You know, where you start getting into bigger issues, if you have a bigger repair and a throwing shoulder and a quarterback, you know, they can lose motion. There can be longer term outcomes that can be um, problematic, but it doesn't sound like that's the case for him. We're uh, checking in with Dr. Ben Woodhead, Nebraska Orthopedic Center, a jock doc Wednesday on Hale Varsity. Quarterbacks always, are, are they uh, more prevalent among the, the shoulder surgery list? Is that a position group from a sport that you see more times than not? Do you see a lot of quarterback shoulder issues? Well, you obviously do in the throwing shoulder um, type of player, you know, so when you're looking at baseball players or overhead athletes or even quarterbacks, you know, they're putting so much stress and strain onto that throwing shoulder that they certainly get more kind of pathologic processes as opposed to, um, you know, alignment or a running back where they're not using the shoulder as much. And quite frankly, their career doesn't depend on the shoulder as much. And so you certainly can have, you know, more complex issues in a throwing athlete. Let's talk Dak Prescott, and uh, we look at Dak, and he had off off-season shoulder surgery as well, Doctor Ben. And interested to get your thought here on what is just some some routine cleanup here for Dak. Yeah, for Dak, it's I think it's a little bit at least better prognosis. It's his non-throwing shoulder. It sounds like, and cleanup procedure generally is simple terms for has some stuff going on there that may be causing. Um, some irritation that you kind of go in there and clean up and basically get rid of and take out of the shoulder. Hopefully in the event that he'll just gradually return to all activity. A lot of times for those cleanup procedures, really they're in the sling for comfort, you know, for a week or two weeks and then gradually starting to resume to life. With uh, the, uh, the the rehab process, you mentioned the timeline. How tender is uh, is the shoulder? And I know we're we're kind of talking different spectrums of Jimmy G versus Dak, but just overall, is there uh, is the shoulder recovery? Is that a pretty tender region compared to other parts of the body? It certainly can be, depending on the actual procedure that's done. But if Dak truly had a cleanup procedure. You know, you usually have a couple separate incisions where you're putting the scope or the camera in to look, and then another incision where you're sticking your instruments in to try and either take out what has been bothering him or clean it up. You're really relying on those few incisions to heal. And if you're not relying on any type of repair, you know, that's really what the pain is, is the incisions from the, from the poke holes. And so um, it's actually best case scenario for him. Dr. Ben Woodhead's with us at Jock Doc Wednesday, Nebraska Orthopedic Center here on Hale Varsity Radio. Some quarterback news in this offseason. Jimmy G and Dak uh, both going uh, and having surgeries done. One cleanup, one a little bit more severe. But uh, Jimmy G getting that sprained throwing shoulder uh, fixed up. So as we talk quarterbacks and, and we, we know how important that position is, I'm interested to uh, to get your thoughts here on uh, just where, uh, from a mentality standpoint, is that a, a hurdle uh, for a lot of quarterbacks? I know there's been quarterbacks in the past that have had labrum issues, and that's major, right? Uh, and then Absolutely. You ha- and then you have sprains that, that are no walk in the park, and then you've just got some potential scar tissue in, in other instances. But 
overall, uh, the, the quarterback position, do you see guys that, uh, from a mental toughness standpoint, they're able to bounce back pretty well? Absolutely. And it's a spectrum, right? Like we talked about Dak, it's his non-throwing shoulder, you know, his, his limitations long-term are going to be very minimal, but then you start talking about Jimmy G and those quarterbacks that have a throwing shoulder injury. That is a little more, a little more cumbersome in terms of the mental capacity because they got to get back to the throwing motion. They got to get their motion back as they cock back, you know, they can be a little stiff. And so is their velocity going to be affected? So it certainly is some, certainly is some hurdles getting over, especially when it's the throwing shoulder. How do you get that flexibility back? Even as you get older, uh, that that's my question. Uh, the king of pliability has been Tom Brady. And I don't know that he's ever had shoulder issues or elbow issues. It's mainly, I think his injury being the knee, uh, when he was earlier in his career, but uh, are there are there drills, exercises, uh, what what can be done for a Jimmy G who's in his you know later twenties to uh, to get back to that old form, that old motion? Well, I mean that's one of the biggest difficulties after having surgery is stiffness, right? And so getting that motion back is one of the main things um, that the therapists work on. And so he will be doing therapy a couple times a week, probably up three to four times a week. Honestly, once he is getting the green light in terms of getting his motion back, they're going to push, push, push because you can't do any strengthening. You really can't do any high, um, velocity throwing until he gets all his motion back. So that'll be step one before he goes on, uh, beyond any type of throwing program. Well, last thought here on Jimmy G, uh, a junk donk Wednesday, Nebraska Orthopedic Center. Dr. Ben Woodhead with us. The uh, estimates here for Jimmy G is uh, to resume throwing prior to July 4th. Now we just hit March. Uh, that's not that far away, though, to, uh, to, to look at July. Uh, doing the math here, it doesn't, again, seem too severe with what's going on. No, absolutely. Because like you were talking about, if you have a big labral surgery or um, anything um, more dependent on a repair, it certainly can last longer than that four to five month time frame. So, you know, at least from the sounds, but hopefully it's kind of best case scenario, cleanup type versus kind of minor repairs um, and then gradually let him get back. Dr. Ben, it was fun to chat with you. We'll do this again. Thanks for a few minutes. Hey, no problem, Chris. Thanks. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time, Hail Varsity Roadshow Wednesday here at Papio South. Pius Papio South set to go. For the A7 final is uh, Jeff Smith in route, Chris Schmidt, and we'll have it for you here locally at ESPN Lincoln. Stream at ESPNLincoln.com. Motsi will have uh, prep and northeast over on KFOR, so get your high school basketball fix ahead of state tournament action next week. Uh, do so. can send emails, Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Give us a follow on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio for Chris Schmidt. And at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. And uh, winding down, good stuff. And the on-demand portion of the website, ESPNLincoln.com. Be sure to check the on-demand interviews out. Great stuff from Andy Markowski earlier on uh, Alexis Markowski's freshman season, the awards. And then he's packing up for Indy, man. So good for him. And he'll go cheer on uh, Coach Williams and 
her squad, and then be right back at uh, at PBA for for Pius Girls. Uh, really uh, exceptional run for uh, the high school girls teams from for the capital city with. Uh, what uh, Coach Baird in Southwest did. Pius, of course, back in state tournament action. And uh, Lincoln High, uh, Coach Dominique has been just amazing. Lincoln High and their season, so uh, a full slate. Uh, Big Ten action is ongoing. Should be pretty interesting uh, as things wind down. And Elijah, are you going to be uh, a guy that uh, – that takes some points for Nebraska Sunday against Wisconsin, whatever those end up being, or do you think the magic's done with Husker basketball? See, the, the, the question to me is not this Husker basketball team. I think they have found their start. I think the, the bigger question for the game Sunday is what's Wisconsin's motivation level? I mean, they already had a big celebration despite the fact they haven't locked up sole possession of first place in the Big Ten. Uh, they are still... Uh, there's a good chance they'd just be co-champions uh, if they fall on Sunday to Nebraska. So my question is, what's their motivation level? Are, are they overlooking this game, getting themselves ready for the Big Ten tournament so they can be regular season and tournament champions? Or are they locking in on this one so they can be the, the sole winners of the, the regular season Big Ten? That's the question to me. It's not so much Nebraska. It's more what's Wisconsin's motivation level here. Because I, I think this Nebraska team, as we've seen in the past couple weeks, they're they're starting to gel. They're starting to figure some things out. They have confidence, and that's so huge. It's never once really looked like this Husker team had confidence up until uh, the past week, week and a half. So uh, I'm not too worried about this Husker basketball team putting up a good fight. It's just, um, I mean, we, I think we know that this Wisconsin team is better than Nebraska. So what's, what's their motivation level to, to come out and play on Sunday afternoon? No, exactly right. Uh, fair point. Great question. And uh, we'll see. We'll see how things progress for Nebraska baseball uh, as they head down to Texas, of course. And uh, shifting the, the starting pitching rotation just a bit. So uh, good for Frank. He'll be Friday, and they'll move KP to uh, to Saturday. We'll see how that rolls. And, of course, more spring football tomorrow on the show. Gary Barnett will be back with us. Uh, we'll talk barbecue and football with Coach Barney. Uh, Parker Gabriel as uh, Parker joins us. Brandon Vogel. Danny Burke with Burke's Best Bets. Enjoy your high school hoops tonight. And uh, thanks for tuning in to Hale Varsity, the Roadshow Wednesday. Back at you tomorrow at 4 with Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery.